0: Lots of Python projects are starting to use GitHub Actions for continuous integration and deployment, as well as other workflows. Tanya Allard, a senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft, joins the show to answer some of my questions regarding setting up a Python project to use Actions. This episode of Test and Code is brought to you by listeners like you that support the show through Patreon and by Datadog. Listen to their segment in the show and visit testandcode.com Datadog to get started. Welcome to Testing Code, because software engineering should include more testing. On Testing Code today, I'm thrilled to have Tanya Allard. Welcome to the show. And before we get started too much, uh, could you tell the people in my audience who you are?
1: Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me and your podcast, and I'm Tanya alert like Brian has introduced me. I'm a senior developer advocate at Microsoft. I specialize in all things, scientific computing, machine learning, and open source. And I love Python, I love tinkering with Python, and I love automation. And that's basically also one of the reasons why I've been very interested in supporting a community that are wanting to use GitHub Actions or are struggling with for mainly the scientific computing community, which is like my side of Python I I mostly interact with. Oh,
0: really? Is it a different sort of problems that scientific computing has than just like, say, your web developer person? Uh,
1: Yeah, well, mostly now the scientific folk, well, the scientific computing folks encompass people that are doing any kind of modeling, simulation, using the scientific Python ecosystem, uh, machine learning, data science. So because of the kind of work that we, that we work on workflows and the highly dependent workflows on data. Some things operate a bit different, libraries are different, and, and people tend to use different packages.
0: I know a lot of open source packages are migrating towards GitHub Actions. What are GitHub Actions anyway?
1: It can get also very confusing because GitHub. there is GitHub Actions that is the actual product of GitHub. And it's basically a set of tools that allows you to do continuous integration and continuous delivery and also a great load of workflow automation. So you can start doing some sort of automated labeling, check in your PRs. You can integrate with some webhooks, for example, to get notifications through things like Slack or send messages through Twilio or stuff of of the such. So it's very, very versatile. And then within the way we work with GitHub Actions is to define a workflow and it can be whatever you're wanting to do. For example, create wheels and publish them on or, or publish your package in PyPA and do your set of tests, for example, build your documentation and publish it wherever that you're publishing it. But also in, in in the sense of area of scientific computing, machine learning, and it opens up a lot of possibilities as well. And then each individual there is also a thing called actions, which are like individually composable steps or units of work. Let's say that you say you're working with Docker containers, you can have one action that will log you into Docker, build your image, and push it directly within your main workflow. I don't know if I made you feel more confused though.
0: <laughs> Are you having trouble visualizing bottlenecks and latency in your apps and not sure where the issue is coming from or how to solve it? With Datadog's end-to-end monitoring platform, you can use their customizable built-in dashboard to collect metrics and visualize app performance in real time. Datadog automatically correlates logs and traces at the level of individual requests, allowing you to quickly troubleshoot your Python applications. Plus their service map automatically plots the flows of requests across your app architecture so you can understand dependencies and proactively monitor the performance of your apps. Start tracking the performance of your apps. Sign up for a free trial and install the agent and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. To get started, visit testingcode.com slash The par- problem space is fairly broad. We're just doing work based on, it's work being done on a server based on some sort of trigger, whether it's a, a commit or a merge request or, or something else. And the interaction with GitHub Actions is a little different than I'm used to. Within GitHub Actions, you don't really have to interact with the interface that much. You mostly interact through workflow files. Are there other differences between other competing CI systems and actions that you know of?
1: If you're a maintainer for an open source project and you wanted to cover, for example, the three main platforms being Windows, macOS, and Linux, then you, you would have needed to have a combination of Travis, a Bayer, or a to cover that so github actions give you the ability to have just one single workflow and be able to test your code or package your code for those three platforms which in like for for me it makes it much easier because i didn't have to keep track of different tools as well and also the, the kind of triggers that you can have for your for your workflows is very very diverse you have the the common ones that you've already mentioned like pull requests or commits, but you can also have, because it's directly integrated with, with GitHub, it's part of GitHub. Then whenever you create a tag, then you can also use that. You can have scheduled actions. Let's say that you want an action to run every Monday at nine o'clock in the morning, because, I don't know, that's when you build your application and deploy, then you can do that as well. And that that gives you a lot of flexibility. Also, if you need to do, for example, build your Docker images every so often, those cron actions are are really, really good. You can create webhooks, which I don't think you can do with things like Travis, in the sense that if you need notifications or a report on your uh, workflows or your CI or CD, you can get them sent to your email or Slack. And you can also start doing interesting things like chat ops through GitHub Actions, which you can do with any other tools either, because yeah, it doesn't have the direct integration with GitHub.
0: Okay. Having it in packaged with GitHub is, is very, very convenient.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: There's no doubt about it. It's very convenient. It wasn't obvious to me how to get it started. You have a .github directory with a workflow directory and then you drop like some YAML file in there with some syntax, and that gets run. And I don't remember if you have to turn it on somewhere, or do you have a magic uh, checklist for how to get started?
1: No, so basically it is, it is that kind of magic that you create your .github file, your workflow uh, directory, sorry, your workflows directory, and then you dump your YAML file, and that creates a workflow. You don't have to initialize it or... It click button so that actions are enabled.
0: Okay. It just runs. If if you have that there, GitHub will do it. Yeah,
1: exactly. GitHub will directly identify that you already have workflows and run them whenever your next trigger occurs. One of the nice things that now actions have and they didn't used to have in the past is that you've, if you've never used actions, you don't have actions in your repository, you can go to the action tab and it will try and identify the program language that you're using. So in this case, if it's Python, it will suggest it will add a very basic main.jml or workflow.jml file. So that will give you the starting point. And we will start with some things like install a specific version of Python, and then try probably look for your test folder or do your test directory. And then you can build up from there. So that's Also a nice add-on, and there are lots, lots of starting configurations now. I think there are for Node.js. I don't use Node, but there is one for Node. There are for Docker stuff, Python. I don't know, like Rust, I think. It's very, very diverse.
0: So I've got a directory that I've got so far one file in it. A couple questions around that. Can I have more than one workflow then per project?
1: Yeah, definitely. I actually like separating my workflows depending on what they're doing. Uh, So if I have one, for example, that builds a Docker image, I have a file called docker.jml. If there is one that is only for testing, I have a testing.jml, then one for build and publishing. So you can have as many workflows as you have because I also... Find that if you have everything in one main Jaml file, it can end up being super super long. Even if you are using things like talks like talks or Nox, it can get like quite long if you are doing a lot of different things.
0: Yeah. So also, I'm actually just had a um, I've got a couple small projects, but somebody did a, a pull request to add a, a pre commit workflow as a separate workflow to test things like. Uh, linting and stuff it's pretty cool to have that separate because it is nice to be able to look at the dashboard and say okay well all the all my tests and stuff are in one workflow and that that was fine but the um like the linting stuff failed so it's a different panic level for me of like oh my system doesn't work anymore versus it's not formatted right or something like that
1: definitely yeah yeah definitely
0: those actions get run on the merge request. I don't know if that's automatic or if I've set that up or not, but does it run all the workflows and all the workflows have to pass before the merge? Or is the, the merging and workflow not associated with each other at all? I
1: normally just wait until all of the, t- the workflows have passed to be able to merge. And that also depends on your triggers because if you have your triggers as pull that that's going to trigger your workflows. But if you don't have it, it doesn't. But you can also set it so that it's on merge rather than when the pull request is open. So you have like those two different variants, but I just normally wait for all the workflows. And you can also have fi- fast fails, for example, if you're, have a, if you're testing against different versions of Python, let's say they have 36, 37, 38, or as many versions as you want. And then if fails for one, then you can have a fail pass so that it doesn't, Continue to work for the other different versions as well. Oh,
0: that's great because you know there's not much point if if your policy is that everything has to pass. Then there's not really much point in testing everything else, and there's a good chance it's just going to fail on everything. Possibly, yes. There's reasons why we test on multiple ones because of you know we're testing compatibility issues. But if there's an actual like a something broken in the code, it's probably going to fail everywhere. Interesting. Have you done some of these sessions with? helping people migrate?
1: Yeah, so I've been working with... Well, actually, because of the tweet that I put up there, a few people have reached out. I'm working on those projects. I've migrated a lot of my own personal projects and projects that I regularly contribute to or maintain. And I've done this in the past as well. When people were also migrating to Azure Pipelines, I was helping folks, for example, in the Jupyter world and Mill, and... I always find this very, very interesting. I, it's something that I quite enjoy. I don't know if I'm a weird person, (laughs) but I I really enjoy like this kind of problems.
0: So what kind of problems are, are different projects having the same problem or are they all unique?
1: Some problems have like, have shared problems. For example, there is not a, a very straightforward way to install and start Anaconda environments. Just because GitHub Actions doesn't provide native and conda support. So there are a couple of actions that folks have created out in the community and are available in the marketplace, but I still have to find one that does things right every time or the way that I would expect it. So sometimes there are issues fiddling with conda, conda environments and versions. And also there have been some problems with especially machine learning or, or scientific computing. Sometimes you need to compile things on, on the fly or you have some certain memory limits. So those also have been interesting things to to overcome. And I actually have been working with some people from Imperial College London. And they're doing something really, really interesting. It's they're doing all of their benchmarking for for their software or for their code using GitHub Actions and virtual machines. So we've had to find a way to spin up certain virtual machines to do the benchmarking, extract the reports, and then decommission the VMs. That was actually very, very interesting. That was not straightforward at all. Like finding a good way to do this complex workflow was quite challenging.
0: Yeah, that sounds challenging. Um, you did mention that you have used, that you've helped people do Azure Pipelines in the past also. Are people migrating from Azure Pipelines to GitHub Actions or people staying pretty much leaving the, those alone?
1: I've seen a few people that are still running on Azure Pipelines, but also I think a lot of folks because of the convenience of having your Code and Jury CINCD within GitHub altogether, it is starting to migrate. And I think also Azure pipelines because it well it is integrated within Azure DevOps. There is a lot of stuff. So if you just want to do the, the CI or testing or the CD part of things, it was very very confusing. It was like quite overloaded. If you wanted to to do just just that bit.
0: I forgot a question that I had right away, and I think I know the answer, but. The name of your YAML file, does it matter?
1: No, not really. I think a lot of tutorials or a lot of the documentation that you're going to find out there is going to suggest you using main.yaml. But as I mentioned before, you can have different files and you can name them as pretty much as you wish. Yeah, depending on what, on the task or the workflow that you're doing.
0: Okay. And then once you have, if you've got like, say, two, two or three different files with different purposes and workflows, they can have different rules of when they run, and they also when like. But if they all have the same rule, they have the same triggers. You can go to their dashboard and you see all of them as separate tabs. Then, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So you can have each individual workflow with their own triggers. Because probably there is some of those that you only need to run whenever you're making a release. There is some others, for example, your linting. If you're using things like Black, for example, and and Flake 8, you want to run that ideally every time that you're pushing or or something. So you can see the different triggers. It makes it very, very easy to identify when the workflows are running. Then you can see everything without pretty much leaving GitHub at all.
0: Having those uh, different workflows are good. I was actually just talking to somebody yesterday about tests that you don't really need to run. And he was like, oh, okay, so I got like some weird code that's off in a corner that is just for, it's hard to run because it's a, it's for a different operating system than I'm normally using. So I don't run tests for that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly the reason why you need to write tests for that and have, right, and have your CI system run it because if it breaks, you're never going to see it because you're not running that code.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I think that being able to run on all operating systems, uh, the domain ones, you can, it is very, very easy now. For example, I I don't use Windows. I develop either on Linux or in macOS. But you always want to test that it works for, for those of your users or collaborators that are using Windows.
0: You can even test on Mac with uh, GitHub Actions, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Okay,
0: that's pretty cool. Are there different flavors of Linux that I need to test for or... Just picking one, is that sufficient usually?
1: I normally test on Ubuntu because that's uh, what is available normally. Okay. And I think it's one of the most mostly uh, mostly used distributions. I don't use anything else. Okay. Normally, you, you would already have all of the required Linux uh, packages installed beforehand rather than you know, having to do apt-get, for example, if it's a uh, DBM-based or something or apt apk okay if it's another distribution
0: so i definitely want to run my tests on multiple operating systems um do you recommend that i run like my linting do i need to l- run that on multiple operating systems or is picking one sufficient
1: yeah i think for linting for example you can just do one one operating system if you're doing i think defaults from Conda Forge do a lot of different operating systems off and they do leverage windows mac and user it's Linux, Mac, and Windows because they do have to build all of the packages. Well, they have to build all of the packages that are then published Conda Forge to be yeah. able to install to be installed through Conda.
0: That's cool. So they're using they're using GitHub Actions?
1: They're using... I don't know if they've migrated. They were using Azure Pipelines, but I can check now. But I think they're, they are a very good example on Workflow Zone, right, for testing and building on... uh, multiple operating systems.
0: Call to action for people. Since a lot of people are migrating, if you're doing something cool within your pipeline, if you could throw comments in there, that would be awesome because people are looking at GitHub projects to see how they're doing things.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also one of the nice things of GitHub Actions is that people can publish their their own actions, uh, which are the individual steps. So let's say that I... You always use Docker. Again, I I use that a lot because (laughs) it's one of the actions that I use most of the time. So, if you're using Docker across your different projects or across your different workflows, instead of you having to rewrite the same bits in every workflow.jaml file, you can polish that action and then you can pull it. And you can, it's basically like doing a pip install package. But instead of doing Pip and soldier you're doing I use this certain action and this version, so you don't have to rewrite that that part of your workflow.
0: Okay, neat. Is there a place for people to get started? Where do people go to just get started and learn the basics?
1: There is the GitHub Actions documentation, and there is also a GitHub repo called Awesome GitHub Actions. It's one of the awesome uh, collections. Sarah Dresner and community have done an amazing job at collating different examples, tutorials, actions that are in the marketplace. But also, if you go to the GitHub marketplace and look for actions that do linting or continuous delivery or a workflow automation, you could probably find those building blocks already done for you, or you could go to the repos and have an idea on what people are are doing. Okay. Yeah, so I think do- those are some... Some good resources.
0: Well, anything, uh, any other calls to action that you want to have people do if they want to know more information?
1: And I'm just going to open the same call to action that I've been opening for folks in scientific computing. If you need a hand, just reach out to me. I am more more than happy to help you all. I'm not very good at web there, <laughs> so so I, I will probably be less helpful there. But I can also help. Okay. Just try it.
0: Is that part of, are you doing that as part of your role as a a developer advocate?
1: It is part of my role. It's not something that I have to, that is like, this is one of the actions that you have to do as, as a developer advocate. But it's one of the things that I just want to do to give back to the community, help those open source maintainers that are struggling a tiny bit. Yeah, it's also something that I enjoy doing. So okay. it's a bit of everything.
0: I think that's wonderful. We get we get so much from open source projects. So giving back to that community is really cool. And then if people want to know more about you, how do they reach, how do they ask you on Twitter? Is that the best?
1: People can reach me out on Twitter. I am uh, easily findable. And also um, they can go to my website that is tralard.dev and they can contact me from there.
0: Thanks so much for um, answering my questions about GitHub Actions. I'm sure people will reach out to you, so thanks a lot.
1: Uh, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, Tanya. I'm inspired now to try out some new things with GitHub Actions. And thank you Datadog for sponsoring. Visit testandcode.com datadog to get started. And thank you all of the listeners that support the show through Patreon. Join them by going to testingcode.com/support. All of those links and links to items that we talked about in the show are up on the show notes at testingcode.com/one-two-three. That's all for now. Now go out and test something.